This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Abraham's Wallet spans the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. This episode of the Abraham's Wallet podcast is sponsored by Outpost Advisors. Outpost Advisors is a financial planning firm that was set up around the very same principles that underpin everything we talk about here at Abraham's Wallet. Families that work with Outpost Advisors walk through a guided process to understand their unique purpose, craft a family vision, and then put their resources to work in service of that vision. They're a fee-only advisor, which means they don't sell any insurance or investments, and they're fiduciaries, meaning that they're legally obligated to act in the best interest of their clients. If your family could use some guidance when it comes to finances and family vision, then reach out to Outpost Advisors by visiting them at outpostadvisors.net. Okay, welcome to the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Um, you may have noticed we threw up a, a pretty long episode about budgeting. And next week, I'm going to give you another big mega post that's about four articles smashed into one podcast. So this week, I wanted to give you a highly practical article on a financial topic, sort of to serve as a break from the 30 plus minute episodes um, that go in, into a lot more depth about a specific topic. So this week I'm talking about 529 educational savings plans. Now, before you turn off the radio and go back to whatever you were doing, I actually think these are useful vehicles for anyone who is interested in multi-generational planning with their money. And I'm going to tell you why, but You might be thinking, I don't have kids right now, so I don't need to worry about college savings. Keep listening, and if at the end of this you think uh, that wasn't very useful, I'll give you all your time back. So I know I can't assume that just because you're listening to this podcast, you have an interest in how to fund college education for your family, but I bet a lot of you actually do have that interest. And we think that's commendable here around Abraham's Wallet. And while you are to be commended for seeking out some wisdom on the topic of how to pay for college, um, what we're going to do in this podcast is actually a little different than just tell you how to use 529 plans to fund college education. If that's your goal, I would point you over towards the talks we've given on saving and budgeting, and even on the blog, there's some articles on scholarships, so lots of good resources there on how to pay for college. But today I'm going to share more of a hack that, if done properly, can fund the college education expenses, not only of your children, but of your grandchildren, and maybe even your great-grandchildren, for a relatively small amount of cash up front. And you may be saying, why would I want to fund my grandchildren's education? Those lazy bums can save themselves if they want to go to college. I know you're not saying that, but let's look at Proverbs 13.22. It's a favorite verse for us here at Abraham's Wallet, and it says this, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, 
but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. So we're going to get real deep into the topic of inheritance. It's a word that keeps coming up in the scriptures, and I don't think we understand it well. Um, So it's not just about piles of money. In fact, a pile of money might not even qualify as biblical inheritance. A little spoiler there for you, teaser of what's coming. But we can't ignore or over-spiritualize this proverb. Um, You're supposed to leave an inheritance to your children's children. So let's just take that for exactly what it says. And then the question becomes, how are we going to do this? without leaving our grandchildren in the precarious spot of inheriting a big pile of cash. Um, Again, we've heard and observed that just dropping cash on kids is quite dangerous. So I'd like to illustrate the power of a 529 educational savings plan when it is used to fund education for your yet unborn grandchildren. This isn't the only way to fulfill on that command from Proverbs 13.22, but it's a good option. Let me explain a few basics to begin. A 529 plan is a vehicle that was created in 1997 by the Taxpayer Relief Act to help parents effectively save for the college education of their children. These plans were then modified a few times over the years, and now they're a vehicle to save money on a tax-free basis. They work like this. You get to put after-tax dollars into an account that can grow tax-free and then be spent on qualified education expenses. Most people who are using these plans set them up for their children at some point and then save for between, you know, 1 and 18 years and then spend the accumulated funds for their children's college education. That's not a bad way to go, but for those who are able, there's actually an even better way to use these plans. And that's what we're going to talk about now. You see, one feature of the 529 plan, as it's currently constructed, and these things can change, is that owners can change the beneficiary of the account at any time. You may be saying, Mark, to whom can they change the beneficiary? And I would say to you, any member of the current beneficiary's family. So that includes, for the person that the account is set up for, so let's say you set it up for your child, you can rename the beneficiary to uh, any member of that person, that child's family, including their spouse, their son, daughter, stepchild, foster child, uh, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, siblings, step-siblings, brother or sister-in-law, father or mother-in-law, aunt, uncle, or their spouses, nieces and nephews, even first cousins. So there's a huge set of options there on how you could redirect this money if there was either some leftover in this child that you set the account up for, didn't need all of it, or for some reason the child did not need all the funds that you had saved in that 529 plan. Lest you protest this plan with the ever more popular idea that you're not even sure college is going to matter by the time your kid turns 18, I hear that a lot, much less thinking about what the world's going to look like when your grandkids are 18. The good news is that these plans can also be used to fund up to $10,000 per year of K-12 expenses, and there's even ways that homeschool families may benefit from the funds. So there's a very good chance that your descendants will find a good use for these funds one way or another. Why would you want to use a 529 plan for multi-generational inheritance? 
I hope if you've been reading the blog or listening to what we say here, you may be familiar at this point with the power of compound interest. You see, time is the most powerful factor when it comes to investing returns. You don't need to beat the market to do well. You don't need to um, go find the, the big winner stocks. What you need to do is invest over a long period of time in a mostly boring, diversified portfolio. To illustrate the power of this, let's consider a person who saves $2,500 every year from age 21 to age 30, and then stops saving. And another person who saves the same amount from age 31 to age 70. If they both can go out and get a 7% rate of return, who has more money at the end of, of the day? It's, yep, the one who started early. So... Compound interest is powerful, and there's lots of places where Americans tend to be decent at taking advantage of this principle and leaving their money invested for long periods of time in order to take advantage of compound interest. Participation, for example, in 401k plans is at an all-time high right now, so that's great. And these plans actually enforce some hefty penalties for those who would withdraw their money early. So if you have a 401k plan at work and you take your money out when you're 45 because you decided to buy a boat, you're going to get hit with penalties for that. So people are disincentivized from doing that. But there's one plan that actually has the potential to be ultra powerful but is almost never taken advantage of. You guessed it. It's the 529 plan, the thing we're here to talk about today. So most people save for 18 years or less in a 529 plan because they start it when their child is born and they spend it when their child goes to college. And they get some benefits from compound interest, but what would it look like if you could get 40 years or more of compounding? Well, let's say you set up a new 529 plan for your child the day after they're born, and you think you can get 8% returns in your 529 plan. Might be a little aggressive, but let's, let's go with it. And you're able to put away $300 a month for college for 18 years. You'll have about $145,000 to spend when the time comes for college. And that is a good use of a 529 plan that will save you real money in taxes. So I'm not knocking that plan. But what if you were to do the same thing and instead of spending that money on your child's education, you were able to allow the account to keep growing for your grandchildren? You could do this either by putting $600 in every month for the first 18 years or by sticking to 300 and finding a different vehicle to fund your children's education. But either way, if you're able to take $300 a month for 18 years and then stop saving after 18 years and just leave it alone until the account turns 40 years old, so 22 years longer after your child turns 18, now that account is going to have about $792,000 available for your grandchildren's educational needs. There aren't too many ways to hand this kind of money over to grandchildren tax-free that don't require you to die first, okay? So the nice thing about these accounts is that you can change beneficiaries as needed, like I said. So if you set out to follow one of the above plans and you don't end up needing the money for your own children, it's no sweat. But if you find that your wise stewardship of resources leads you into positions of financial strength way beyond what you can currently imagine, then maybe you'll be able to let the compound interest ride and fund several generations of future children, right? Big win. Now, I do need to 
issue a brief word of caution about the things I'm telling you here. At Abraham's Wallet, we are many things, but we aren't accountants. And given this sometimes inconvenient fact, I have to add a few disclaimers to these thoughts. There are situations in which changing the beneficiary of a 529 plan that you own can trigger a tax called the generation skipping tax. This usually happens when the plan is established before a grandchild is born and in which the grandparent, not the child, is named as the beneficiary. It could also happen if you follow our plan as described above, but then transfer the beneficiary to a great-grandchild instead of a grandchild. Um, I will say, could we all just pray that we're blessed enough to have that opportunity? I'd love to be around long enough to transfer anything to a great-grandchild. Um, There's other circumstances, though, that can also trigger this tax, and there are provisions that make it unlikely for most families to have to pay taxes when changing beneficiaries, even if they are skipping a generation. But as you can tell, there's some complexities here, so we recommend running your plans by a CPA or a financial planner as you set up a 529 plan that you might think about using as a multi-generational device. If you do it thoughtfully, most families should be able to use 529 plans to create meaningful value for future generations. So to close up, if your family values education and has a mind to push resources out past your own lifespan, I really do love the idea of using 529 plans for that purpose. A 529 has some built-in features that make it a good tool for biblical inheritance. Because it's earmarked for education, it requires work and claiming, if, a, if education is a family value, then a 529 plan can actually reinforce that piece of your shared family identity. And finally, the product of education is usually increased productivity. And so these three ingredients, identity-laden, productive, and requires some claiming, those are the, the three ingredients that we'll go into more detail on, on what is a biblical inheritance. And they all kind of appear nicely in the, the use of a 529 plan to do some inheritance uh, handing over. So I hope that's helpful to you. And like I said, stay tuned next week. I wanted to get you a, a quick hit on just a, a very tactical tip. And next week we'll dive quite a bit deeper into the topic of what is inheritance and how should we even be thinking about this as family leaders. Until then, I'm Mark, and you're listening to the Abraham's Wallet Podcast.